Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, I have the pleasure of being inside the Frank Lloyd Wright House in Ebsworth Park which is Kirkwood area, with Catherine Felt, the executive director, and Deb Meister, who's a docent, who has generously given me a tour of this place, which is stunning and remarkable and fascinating in the way that it was built. And it was a Frank, it is a Frank Lloyd Wright house. So, Catherine, can you tell me uh, a little bit about the history of this place and you know how it became what it is today? Yes, I'd, I'd love to. Um... The home was, as we now all know, designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, but I like to think of it as being designed by Russell Krauss, Ruth Krauss, and Frank Lloyd Wright because it was a very collaborative process. So um, the Krauses moved in after um, this amazing journey of working with Frank Lloyd Wright. They lived here happily for over 40 years. And after uh, Ruth passed in the late 90s, uh, it became obvious to Russell that he no longer could maintain and keep up the home, and he really was committed to the preservation of it. A nonprofit organization was um, established. We purchased the home and immediately deeded it to St. Louis County. So we operate as a house museum. The county owns the home and the 10 and a half acre park. Uh, and so uh, after purchasing it, we did undergo a significant restoration. Uh, most of it involved the masonry uh, on the exterior. We engaged preservation specialists from all over the country. Um, maintaining a Frank Lloyd Wright house it can be complicated and expensive, but our organization is committed to um, making sure that it exists for future generations. And we have the pleasure to open our doors to the public for guided tours so they can experience the, the awe and wonder of this remarkable home. Tell me a little bit about Frank Lloyd Wright's interaction with St. Louis and Missouri in general in terms of you know, his buildings and his presence here. That's a very fun question to answer um, because it's significant. Um, we have the Wainwright Building and Hotel St. Louis, formerly Union Trust, which were designed by Louis Sullivan, who uh, Frank Lloyd Wright worked for and acknowledged as a, a mentor, which was very rare for Frank Lloyd Wright to make that acknowledgement of having been influenced by another architect. And um, so we have uh, that architecture. We also have um, William Bernudi, uh, probably 50 
Bernudi-designed residences and Temple Emmanuel, which is a sacred space that was designed by Bernudi. And um, Bernudi was uh, part of the architectural faculty at Washington University. And then when he learned that Frank Lloyd Wright was was, uh, establishing a fellowship, he left his job. Many people thought he was crazy studied with Frank Lloyd Wright, came back and applied these principles with adapting his own personal style. So we have that, Bernoudi's um, architecture all over the city. We have this house designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. There's another Frank Lloyd Wright home in town and country. And we have this beautiful ornamentation um, that uh, Louis Sullivan was was designed. So we have a great legacy of Frank Lloyd Wright, both people he studied from and people who studied from him. So the spirit of mentorship, experiential learning, that all is alive and well in St. Louis. We're very fortunate. Well, I'm glad you got in touch with me because driving by this place, you would not see, you would not know it's here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's set off the road. So it's not like you're driving on the road and you say, oh, there looks like a Frank Lloyd Wright house. You're not going to see it from the road. Right. Um, so <clears throat> I think this is good to get information out to the public about it. Uh, how does the public come see this? Well, just to touch on what you observed, um, when these Usonian homes were designed and, and built, Frank Lloyd Wright <clears throat> gave the mandate, get as much property away from the city as you can and slowly you know these these little tucked away areas usually the clients would buy them from farmers or other people were encroached upon by development so they are they do tend to be tucked into the middle of a community fortunately here we're in the middle of sugar creek valley which is artists and and nature and really we're uh we we still have that feel But uh, we are tucked away. We don't have a lot of signage in front for people to see it. So if you're interested in seeing a Frank Lloyd Wright designed home, a beautiful example of design, an inspiring um, experience, you need to go to our website, which is ebsworthpark.org, E-B-W-O-R-T-H-P-A-R-K.org, and schedule a guided tour. And although we have a lot of tours throughout the week and weekends, we do fill up fast. So I encourage anybody who's traveling St. Louis or here and having people in to schedule their tour in advance. How much does it cost? $20 for an adult and $10 for children. Now, the you, the term you used, Usonian, we should explain that probably. Deb, you want to explain sure. Usonian architecture? The Usonian architecture, um, the name, first of all, comes from the word Usona. U-S-O-N-A, United States of North America. And Mr. Wright heard this word. It's only been bandied about very, very rarely. I'm, I'm aware of like three writers, uh, late 1890s and then early, very early first decade of the um, 20th century using that word. Um, he thought, what a great word, United States of North America, as he's looking for something to identify and define what he's going to, what inspires him and what he creates in the Usonian, um, he adds the I-N-A, I-A-N at the end to make it pronounceable. But United States of North America, I think if it caught on, we'd all be Usonians instead of Americans. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of the word that it reminds me of, but it des- definitely sounds like usefulness. Yes. It's kind of like the word, right? Yeah. It's, yes. yeah. it's very sort of functional. It's going to be basic. <laughs> um, they're always going to, almost always going to be a uh, ranch. 
you know, one, one story. Um, however, there are a few that are two stories. There's one down in, in Arkansas, northern Arkansas, in Bentonville that was moved there from New Jersey. And there's uh, one in south of Portland. There are two stories that I know of. But the rest of the ranch, there's, as again, I said before, no attic, no basement. These features of a Usonian are non-negotiable. He's willing to talk about other things, but not those things. But you can't have an attic and you can't have a basement. No. The owners, Russell and Ruth Krauss, he was an artist. Right. How did how was he able to get Frank Lloyd Wright to build him a house? That is the quintessential question, and it's that whole dynamic is what personally fascinates me and is so like amazing. And that is because Frank Lloyd Wright, despite all these other things he was doing, was really, really dedicated and won it. And he was doing what at the time? He was designing the Guggenheim. He was launching a new fabric line. He was, you know, had hundreds, hundreds of plans on his, um, I guess you'd call it drafts. drawing table, yeah. draftsman table. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's remarkable. Fortunately, when we purchased the house and ground, we also had a significant paper collection that includes the correspondence between the Krauses and Frank Lloyd Wright, including the telegram that said, I shall build your little house. So um, I think it was just a real, I think he was charmed by the Krauses. I think he was um, really sensed their enthusiasm, knew that they were starting their married life together, an accomplished woman, a artist, a young couple that really shared the vision of having this beautiful home. So what's your personal description of this place? Like when you walk in, when you talk, tell people about it, how do you describe it or what are the things that you point to? Wow, you're a professional <laughs> question. Person, um, I think it's 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 hard to narrow it down. Everybody uh, everybody sees and feels something different. What I would say to the people who are thinking about visiting um, is that all of our docents are so knowledgeable and passionate. So you heard uh, Deb talk about some of the technical elements. You heard me talk about some of the things that really draw my eye and inspire me about the story. So I would say everybody picks up on something a little bit different. I would say, for me, it's this intangible magic. It's so unique. It, it's There's so much energy, creative energy. And then I have the ability, and so, so do our guests, of really knowing the story of what that interaction was, what Frank Lloyd Wright contributed, what he was thinking. And that really um, leaves you with something powerful. I think you leave changed in some way, having experienced this house. I do. Yeah, I feel from from my perspective, um, I do feel the Japanese kind of flow about the place, mm -hmm. the angles, the geometry, the way the kitchen is constructed. It's very unique. Mm -hmm. And then the floor, that was really impressive. Uh, Deb, tell me again about this floor we're sitting on. This is a concrete floor. Um, it's poured all at once uh, over copper pipes that carry the water so there's radiant heat that rises up gravitational heat comes up and beautifully and very um more than adequate sometimes i feel i have to take my jacket off or if i'm you know in the middle of the winter it's freezing outside great heat um all of the usonians uh have the radiant heat he was all about that and we have because of the openness in the floor plan and also that 
the cabinets that don't reach the ceiling toward the primary, you have that airflow. So the heat, you don't have any ventilation system, in other words, because there's the there's no blowers, there's no vents. And there's which, no doors. Yeah. And the, the walls don't go all the way to right. the ceiling. So And you didn't you didn't ask. We've told you there's air conditioning. They added air conditioning. But if you have a house that has no basement, no attic, you don't have a ventilation system, how do you then add air conditioning? But they did. Um, they were able to have Talias and help them with the design. And there is a huge major vent that is above where we walked in, uh, where the, the foyer is lower. Um, there's a large vent, a vent in the house, and the air conditioning shoots out cold air. And it's able to flow throughout because we have this open floor plan, so to say. And it really is um, probably the beginning of open floor plans. And everybody's all about that. Not every real estate article you read, everything's open floor plan. So here it is. Deb, I want to ask you, what is your passion about this? Is it architecture? Is it homes? Is it Frank Lloyd Wright? I've Wright? always, always, always been a Frank Lloyd Wright fan. I was born into a Frank Lloyd Wright family. So I'm a right head from birth, we call them. A right head, okay. Head. I'm a right head. And, um, and I love art. I uh, have a background in art. And I think it's unique. It's it, I'm inspired. Every time I come here, I'm inspired. I'm particularly inspired that Frank Lloyd Wright is thinking about Usonian. He's conjuring this up when he's in his 60s. This isn't, you know, a young architect trying to find something new and flamboyant that he can impress people with. He's already impressed people. He doesn't need to impress people anymore in the 30s. Um, and he comes up with this design that speaks for people. It speaks in a democratic way to be able to give us the kind of life, the house that matches our lifestyle. Um, and what does that mean? Now, it's not going to be the same for everyone. Um, and the Usonians are very different. They're all very unique and they are tailor-made to the client. So I, I think the inspiration and creativity of Frank Lloyd Wright Frank Lloyd Wright, especially with regard to Usonian. And this, of course, is my favorite house. So I like it. Yeah. I, I, when I was going through it on the tour, I was thinking about his mind. Mm. Yes. <laughs> like what great mind this guy had yeah. to think of all these things and to be so particular about everything so that the angles are consistent. Everything's consistent. There's, there's nothing that is not purposeful in this house. I'm glad you... Put that way, because that is really elemental. That's very important. And I think that's very important uh, about what we do here. We don't let people walk through the ha uh, discover. We don't let, and perhaps they may want to, but for us, it's very important that they are brought into the mind of Frank Lloyd Wright. This is why it happens. We give them time to experience it, but we also make sure that they leave understanding the design principles that that this represents. And to me, this is such a point of pride for, for our city, for our community, for the world. We have people that come from all over the world. Um, and uh, just as Deb described, it's amazing as you walk up, you think over, I've been in my role five years, you become desensitized to you know, what you're walking into. And at the least, the, the most stressful time this this house manages to grab you and um and then it changes so we're sitting here on a sunny day it feels happy we come here on a on a cloudy day it feels more somber so it really is this relationship that you can engage with in this house which is why when people say oh i've i've been there i visited well i would say that that's that's one visit but it's really a relationship that's available 
uh, for our for the public to develop with this house. Another five star visit, I would say, for <laughs> roaming St. Louis. All right, sounds good. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks for being here. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.